What is good, Defenders? And man, does it feel good to bring you episode 151 of the most LAFC podcast during the middle of the week. We are here at world-famous Philomonster Studios coming to you Wednesday night, nope, it is Thursday morning at 1.06 a.m. As we begin to record episode 151, you know my voice, I am the Scarf, J.R. Liebert, and here in the friendly confines of Philomonster Studios, a mere five or six feet to my left at his grandiose desk as I sit in a chair with no desk or anything else in front of me, he is the landlord of Philomonster Studios, Christian. Philly, Philemon. The toast of the East Coast, happy and jovial at 1.06 a.m. Why does this remind me of Dr. Emmett Brown telling <laughs> Marty McFly to meet him at the Twin Pines Mall to introduce him to this new scientific concept that he has? The new concept that we have here is a three-point score off of another team at Bank of California Stadium. This is is not a therapy session. This is a episode of love and appreciation. And thankfully, we get to silence the boo birds. Thankfully, we get to put down the fire Bob comments and move on with three points going into this weekend. Scarf, plenty to celebrate about today, brother. Plenty to celebrate about today, my friend. We are going to get into this day in LAFC history. There's actually not any news and notes considering we just played four days ago. But let's talk about some other things. First, before we get into the fun banter, I want to say hi to everybody out there in Centennial, Colorado. <laughs> we, we don't know why 2% of our listens, total listens. We're talking like hundreds of thousands. Yeah, so I'm not exaggerating. 2% of our total listens have come from Centennial, Colorado. We thank you. We also want to know who you are. Shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Whatever you got, Centennial, Colorado, we Love you. But Philly, you mentioned plenty of things to celebrate. Yes, the Metropolitans did win. However, two major things in the sports life of Philly to celebrate. Let's talk first about surviving and advancing on the pitch. Germany made it out of the group stage, my friend. Man, it was not an easy game. And I will say this. Being a resident of the beautiful country of Deutschland, there aren't many people that can say they've been able to witness their beloved nation win two World Cups. I was 10 years old when West Germany beat Argentina. I was a lot older, 34 years old, when Germany beat Argentina again. You're a lot older now, too. I'm a lot older now. But yeah. since that World Cup in 2014, the one in which Andre Schürrle Connected with Mario Götze, Die Mannschaft has been on somewhat of a downward trough. Yes, they played well in the Euros, and they finally ended up beating Italy, something that plagued them for the longest of time. Why, but in this why, past why World gotta, Cup, they had a gargantuan effort against El Tri coming up short. They had to score a last-minute goal with Toni Kroos to beat Sweden, and they got knocked out 
knocked out of the group stages for the first time ever. Dude, coming into the Euro, they got beat by North Macedonia. They did. The was the... Well, I can't think of anything clever to say. However, going into this, they were put into the group of death. They were put in with France, Portugal, and Hungary is no slouch either. Yep. Their first match against France, even though they lost one nothing, in reality, the French pretty much gave them a lot of the hazard father. The second game, they beat Portugal 4-2, to two, but they didn't score all four goals. And this match against Hungary, Scarf, it was a back-and-forth endeavor. And they broke Hungary's back. Thankfully, Kai Havertz and Goretzka scored goals. Their 2-2 two to two tie against Hungary helped propel them past the group stages and against the Mo'ilians of England in the next round. This isn't the Germany team that I grew up with. It is a little sprinkle of the old guard with the new guard, but I'm happy. As you said earlier, survive and advance another day. Yeah, Philly wanted to keep this under 45 minutes, so we only spent nine minutes talking about Germany Poop. just there. I like you that. You set me up. I, I wasn't did. bringing it up. But here's the one where I thought you'd really start to talk a lot about. You were almost excited to be able to shave today because you have a pretty sweet hockey playoff beard going, my friend. But your Islanders, your New York Islanders said, no, no, no. You put that razor away, my friend, for at least, what, two more days. Next game is on Saturday. An incredible comeback. Let me let me just set the stage for our listeners here so you can understand what Philly went through. I don't want him to talk about this because I don't want to hear him cry on the podcast. <laughs> oh, cry. I Last have. game for the Islanders. They lost 8 nothing. Yes, 8 Nothing. Three goals in the first, three goals in the second, two goals in the third. They then went down two nothing here in game six, an elimination game. Seeing 10 straight goals scored against them would have made any other team wilt, but not this team of destiny, my friends. No, no, no. They came back. Philly, we were getting ready to record with 110 football. We did their pregame and their postgame. You had one eye on what you were supposed to be doing, another eye on the score. And it was 2-1 last we looked. Then they tied it up. And Philly, what does it feel like? You're going to be able to watch a game seven. The last game at, was it Nassau Coliseum? Potentially. What an incredible, incredible comeback by your Islanders after going down 10 nothing. I know you guys want to hear LAFC stuff. Defenders yeah. of the Bank is an LAFC We'll get pod. to it. However, this is our pod. So if we want to talk about the Islanders, I don't care what your feelings are. I love the Islanders. Tom Brady? I will talk about... Oh, God. This is a... Talk about the Islanders is way better All than right. Tom Brady. LAFC punk, I know you could agree with me. Yo. I have nothing to talk yo, about. Yo, I was Brady. four years old the last time... The Islanders were in the final. Three years old, the last time they won the cup. I didn't get to experience it. And look, hockey playoffs, they, they, they hit differently than a lot of other things. I love this team so much. And so for me, it, it, it's a very big deal. They are one win away from the Stanley Cup final, a position they haven't been in since 1984. So yes, forgive me for, for applauding my Islanders. But if you follow me and you follow Defenders of the Bank, you all know that I am a massive Islanders fan. Yes. I love this team. And at some point during the course of the LAFC match, there was a simple pass from Kim Moon Hwan to Carlos Vela. And Anthony Bovillier of the New York Islanders happened to score in overtime, propelling them to game seven. I, yes, they scored. I can't believe it. They won. They scored. Nobody around me knew what was going on. Nobody everybody at all. As if I was crazy. Yeah. But everybody looks at me as if I'm crazy, regardless of what time of day it is or regardless of what I'm doing. So 
In the words of the great Daniel Bryan, yes, 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 my hockey beard lives on at least for a couple more days. And you guys that are Defenders listeners, you don't have to worry about any hockey talk from me. Talk. Because uh, I don't really care about hockey all that much. I That's because he a, hates sports. No, what? I used to be a Chris Osgood fan. I love watching Connor McDavid. Wow. But I, I really Chris Osgood, I don't really Islander care. goalkeeper. want to say big thank you. To our friends over at 110 Football, Absolutely. to Vince and Connor, who unfortunately couldn't be there today. He didn't die or anything. He's just filming a movie. But the, such a nice crew over there. We got to be part of both the pregame and the postgame. You can check out the postgame on YouTube where we got to sit down and ham it up with our buddy Vince. And, and we just had a great time. The fun. crew there is awesome. Thank you for the wonderful Cuban food, by the way. That was pretty yummy. Had some plantains and some rice and beans and good salsa. And, and some water. That was yeah, and some water. Yeah, honestly, like it was so it's much. Not a fun. for booze. Either. No, it is not. Not this time. But it was so much fun to be there with the crew at one ten. And look, we will happily come back anytime you guys want us to. Let's head right in to this day in LAFC history. This game was played on the 23rd, so let's get to some news on the 23rd. Just one news and note of LAFC historical significance. That would be on the 23rd in 2018 when Steven Betashore, that's right, Beta, we miss you, buddy, became the 100th player in Major League history to make his 200th start. 200 starts in Major League Soccer in our 2 nothing win against the Columbus Crew, who back then had a wonderful logo and crest, not so much anymore. Uh, Laurent uh. Simon in the fourth minute, and holler if you hear me, Adama Diamande in the eighth minute score early for LAFC. It was Simon's third free kick goal of the season. We almost, Philly, saw a free kick goal tonight. But it was a 2-0 win over the Columbus crew. Betashore's 100th player to become to make 200 starts, excuse me, and a goal for Simon and a goal for Adama Diamande. More on Dio in just a minute. But that, Philly, is this day in LAFC history. We're going to speed right through news and notes because there aren't any. So, Philly, it was a celebration at Bank of California Stadium. Again, a get-right game, I believe, as Max Bredos called it. On the broadcast, what a finish for LAFC against Dallas. It was fantastic. It was exactly what we needed to close out the time period at Bank of California Stadium. We have had a home front for a little while. LAFC is about to hit the road, starting with Saturday against Sporting Kansas City. They're not going to be back home until sometime in mid-July, July 17th to be precise. Yep. So our boys are going to be on the road. This was perfect. This was the confidence booster our fan, our supporter base needed. I would say that this is the confidence that the boys needed. And something that I will say I, I heard on the Inside LAFC podcast with Max and Vince, these boys haven't gotten a lot of time to spend on the road together. They've been able to enjoy the comforts, sights, and sounds of L.A., because pandemic in this neck of the woods is done. So needless to say, they're going to enjoy things. But now they're going to be in a position where they have to do team bonding. And I would say at this juncture, it is critical for the team to bond. And I bond, they will. And it couldn't come at a better time. Going into Kansas City, SKC is not an easy team. But LAFC will be riding a high. And if anything, they definitely gave us, the supporter base, a bit of satisfaction. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to look forward to with this matchup coming into Sporting Kansas City. They are, by the way, number two 
in the West with 20 points, four behind Seattle, and of course, eight now ahead of us. So that's going to be a big test for both sides. Could be a reason, Philly, for some of the lineup choices for LAFC. But let me get in to the lineup choices for Dallas really quickly. Their MVP, their player of the game, and look, I know they lost 2 nothing, but it would not surprise me at all if this player makes the MLS Team of the Week just because of his performance against us, Jimmy Maurer. Jimmy Maurer is a very good goalkeeper. If he's not a very good goalkeeper, we at least made him play his best and look very good tonight an unbelievable effort from the former New York Cosmos, Cosmos goalkeeper. N- former Cosmos keeper Jimmy Maurer was very, very good tonight. In Cozy Burgess, Brisson, Jose Antonio Martinez, the Bayern youth prospect Justin Che, Facundo Quignon, Brian Acosta, Ryan Hollingsworth, one of the young kids, Jesus Ferreira, Yader Obrian, and Ricardo Pepe round out the lineup for FC Dallas. Couple players to note on the bench. Franco Hara, one of their other designated players. It's him and Acosta right now. And the young kids, Tanner Tessman and the former golden child, Paxton Pomacall. My, how his stock has fallen. And it really has, Philly, just been Brian Reynolds, who's overseas, I believe with Juve, but he's out on loan somewhere else. I don't remember where he went on loan to. But the other young kids, Dante Seeley is another one of them, between Seeley and Tessman and Pomacall and Pepe and Ferreira and Che, I, I just, I didn't see it. We talked about this on the post game when they talked about stock rising, stock falling. That was one of my stocks falling. We had a little bonus action there. Not very impressed with anybody in a regular-looking FC Dallas uniform. That keeper kit, however, stood out quite a bit on Jimmy Maurer. The the power Maurer hour. He was definitely their MVP. And look, up top, normally they would have Hara as their, their lone striker. And that's a dude who is a stud. If you're an Olympiacos fan... You know his name. If you're a Benfica fan, you know his name. If you're a fan of Pachuca, you know his name. He is one of their most aggressive players, having had 26 shots over the course of the regular season on opposing goalkeepers. I was surprised that they sat their designated player. However, you got to manage minutes. Brian Acosta, one of the most integral pieces on Luchi Gonzalez's team, he started. But this team, in terms of goals, they're led by Obrian. And Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe, Scarf, 18 years old, having two goals on the season yeah. for FC Ribeye Stake. Seven players hold the designation of having scored a goal. O'Brien, two. Pepe has two. Brasson, he's got himself one. Hollingshead, he has himself one. Uh, if you if you go down the bed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You said it. They're a young squad. The oldest man on the pitch for FC Ribeye Stake, Maurer. And he had a hell of a game. Yeah, that's only because, by the way, they were missing one of their leaders and one of their all-time Caps leaders in Matt Hedges. Hedges, an incredible leader. They're on the back line and a player who they really missed today. No Matt Hedges. They also had Noah Sabalkshank. I want to make sure I probably mispronounced that one. He's away at the Euros with, I believe it was Hungary, who you just mentioned. But a couple players missing there, but mainly it's Matt Hedges. What about the lineup, Philly? Some big, big 
changes for LAFC, and it starts on the very back line. Indeed. One real quick thing I want to mention. Tanner Tessman. Sure, let's A very keep young player on, on FC Real Life. I think this is kind of cool, and, and, and the millions. And millions. You need to know this. Okay. All right, the guy plays pro ball at FC Dallas. He does. But did you know that he got recruited by the Clemson University Tigers to be their kicker? I, you know, that is pretty I, darn cool. I, I did not know that. Now, oh man, I stumped the scarf. That does, is a very does successful Does this man thing. know how to party or what? <laughs> Shout out Wayne's World. I think that is a cool fact, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Yes, we had a shock in between the pipes. Normally, we would be expecting Pablo Cisniega to grace the pitch with his presence. However, today, we had the young Thomas Romero starting between the pipes. And for those of you who don't know him, This is his first season. For those of you who follow NCAA college soccer, he won a national title with the Georgetown Hoyas. Good player. He also plays for El Salvador's like U teams, a U under 21 team, I think, or whatever. I I, I forget. But Thomas Romero has gotten a bit of burn with the Las Vegas Lights. So putting him in between the pipes was interesting. And we'll talk about how interesting it was. Marco Farfan taking over for Chiqui Palacios. Eddie Segura. Jesus David Murillo has played more minutes than anybody else on LAFC. Graced the roster with his presence. And finally, finally we have Kim Moon-Juan, who played a very excellent game in my opinion. He starts out as well. Our midfield consisted of Jose Cifuentes the third leading scorer on our team, Edward Atuesta and Latif Blessing. Our front line consisted of Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, and FC Dallas's 2020 MLS Super draft pick that they did not sign, Cal Jennings, who also happens to be the leading scorer of the Las Vegas Lights. Three, what? Starters. But you know what? We couldn't be more excited, and I would say they played pretty well. You know, we have a name for that Philly on our podcast, and I think when we saw it was Cal Jennings, we'd have to say that's our wait what moment of the pod. Yeah, Cal's been getting some good burn with the Las Vegas Lights, but we're talking about jumping guys like Corey Baird, Danny Masovsky, Raheem Edwards, all three of whom have seen significant minutes as compared to Cal Jennings this season, but maybe Bob trying to shake it up a little bit, trying to capture lightning in a bottle with Cal Jennings. One, one other quick thing, by the way, about Thomas Romero. He's kept his U.S. options open in terms of national team play. He has not committed to staying with El Salvador. He wants to make the U.S. team as a keeper. Today certainly went at least a small way in helping that come true. Philly, let's get right into the action. And LAFC wasting absolutely No time, Philly, getting on the board. Right away, plenty of signs of life from the offense. As Edward Atuesta sets up Carlos for his first goal of the season. That has to be a wait what moment. Finally. Dude, we're nine games in and Carlos finally scores a goal. It's a rocket of a one-timer from inside the 18-yard box. Like we said, finally, Carlos is on the board. Nice job from both Blessing and Moon to be in the mix, to find the passes in space, 
Uh, it was an excellent way to start the match. And as we said on the pregame show with 110 Football, one of the keys to the game was to strike hard and to strike fast. And finally, Carlitos gets his name in the scoring column. Don't say we. You got to take all the credit for that. You said they needed to strike hard and fast. They absolutely did in the fourth minute. Giggity, by the way. And ah. you definitely said that Carlos Vela was going to score. So Philly Stradamus rearing his head early on in the podcast but what I think is super important about this goal is that multiple players combining, we had Moon, we had Latif, we had Atuesta, and we had Carlos Vela. That is what makes LAFC's offense so potent. Not when a player is attacking 1v1 with everybody else standing around watching, but when it, I believe it was the, the term Vince LaRosa, he's a little tic-tac-toe, a beautiful bit of soccer there in the fourth minute, how about in the 12th minute, Philly? We almost came 2 nothing up so early on in the match and was almost a brace for Carlos Vela. A little bit of a back-and-forth possession leading up to this, but we got a free kick from well outside the box. Both Edward Atuesta and Carlos Vela standing over it, and it's Vela. He said, no, 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 I'm not worried about going over the wall. I'm going to go around the wall, and if this was, what, two, three inches more to the left, even though Maurer got a good run at it, had outstretched arms, there was enough space in there, and Vela almost found it. Oh, my goodness. And you got the sense right away, Philly. First, after the fourth minute when Vela scores, Vela gets rolling when he can kind of start feeling himself early. And again, another shot for Carlos Vela. That one just off the post. And then look, I, I gotta I gotta go with this one here because Brian Acosta in the 19th minute, when we say it was an ambitious effort, that's usually our tongue-in-cheek way of saying yeah. it was either really far away or not even close. Well, this one luckily is a twofer. It was both really far away and not even close. A kick that Johnny Hecker would have been proud of for the Ramily there. That was a a terrible effort from Brian Acosta, their other DP, that landed at least 25 or so yards away. And as Vela misses another in the 24th minute, it was FC Dallas, Philly, in the 27th, showing just a little bit of a sign of life. Well, I want to just backward, go backwards yes. and rewind to the 15th minute, something that you're not going to see on the stat line. I got to tip my hat off to Jesus David Murillo. At one point, there was a play where Obreon broke free to get a stab at Thomas Romero. And Jesus David Murillo came through, broke up that play. Obreon, not a person to snooze on. Their leading scorer tied with Ricardo Pepe. Jesus David Murillo broke up a heck of a play that could have easily been the equalizer few short minutes after Carlos Vela's inside the post kick. And Jesus David Murillo once again showing why he is an integral piece of the defense, why LAFC does not concede as many goals this season as they have in the past, and why this man has played more minutes than anybody else on the LAFC roster. No, you're absolutely right. Look, Dallas showing a little bit of signs of life there in the 27th minute. Ferreira has one blocked, and then Obreon... Uh, misses a header from inside the box. And this is actually going to be a small theme. Yes, we won 2 nothing. Yes, a lot of signs pointing upward. Uh, you gave him a spoiler alert. I did, but a lot of signs pointing upward for LAFC in this match. However, it was our ability to handle crosses, or really lack thereof, and how 
how strong we looked in that. This is the last time I eat a Del Taco Beyond Burrito, by the way, before we record. Wow, the heartburn is real. That just Dallas, sounds like a plumbing problem. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's heartburn, and it is real right now. The way that we handled crosses time and time again, and I've got several of them in my notes, and I'll make sure to get to them. Don't you worry. Dallas hadn't had much, but at just one nothing, Philly, you mentioned it. If Mario doesn't track back on that play, Carlos Vela tracked back not too long after that play. And here we are again, 27th minute with a header inside the box that O'Brien misses. You know, it's never felt comfortable. It's kind of like when the Dodgers bring in Kenley Jansen with like a one or two nothing lead. You're like, yeah, that might not be enough for Kenley. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't think that that would be enough at one nothing. Thank goodness it wouldn't be. But Marco Farfan with the left foot missing to the right. But what we love, Philly, and we talked about this before with guys like Sifu and definitely guys like Atuesta, Farfan loving to take those chances from outside the box. And look, I thought Farfan was kind of eh coming into the last two games. And these last two games, he has shut the scarf up. <laughs> he has played so, Not an easy so task. well. Oh, believe me. He has played so well for us. I mean, this game, if you're Cheeky Palacios, you got to kind of be looking over your shoulder going, wait, am I going to get my starting spot back? Marco Farfan playing great. And then to close out the half, Philly, if you don't mind, in the 44th minute, we're going to say a phrase you're going to hear a few more times. Save by Maurer. This one was on Sifu from outside the box after a turnover. Sifu got the shot off, and it was a great save. Sifu, along with maybe Carlos Vela and, and Pancho Ginella, they're going to be seeing Joe Maurer. Or Joe Maurer, my goodness. Ah. Jimmy Maurer in their sleep no tonight. No relation. Actually spells it completely differently, too. But we're going to see those guys. They're going to they're see that guy in their sleep tonight. He was incredible. And going into the half, Philly, well, excuse me, going into stoppage time, Philly, it's still one nothing. And I want to highlight a couple of instances within the 31st and the 33rd minute. Kim Moon Juan, he had a little bit of a razzle-dazzle, a little bit of the how's your father. He had some really good moves. He was in the perfect position to stamp his name in the scoring column. But for whatever reason, he decided to pass the ball and that effort was completely thwarted. Had he made a attempt, Maurer was on his game, but he might have had a shot at, at blasting one past him. In addition, I'm going to bring his name up because we're not going to be talking about him come the second half. Carlos Vela in the 33rd minute had an extremely great run. He tried to connect with Cal Jennings. Cal Jennings was just a step off. He was playing at that USL speed versus that MLS speed. If Cal Jennings had that extra step within the 33rd minute, he would have been completely wide open and that would have been another attempt on Mr. Mauer. There would have been no Mauer hour power hour on that. Wow, and Mauer hour power hour. Yeah, I could have sure. easily cut one of those words. But those are two instances in which we could have had another couple of goals. So we had the one goal by Carlos. There's no doubt about that. That came in the scoring column. Carlos, with a little schmidge to the left, that could have been the second. Kim Moon Juan could have had a third, and Cal Jennings with an extra step, that could have been the fourth. At this point, we are dominating FC ribeye steak, and our boys are looking good. Yeah, but here's the issue. We're still only up one nothing at the half, Philly. We struck hard. We struck fast. We didn't strike again. So we're looking at still a very, very close game. And look, coming out of the half, we did have one substitute. It was Tristan Blackman coming in for Cal Jennings. And what I thought, Philly, just personally, 
I was happy for Cal Jennings to get the start. He's obviously been playing very well for Vegas in the USL, but I thought maybe the game was moving either a little too fast for him. He was a little out of place. I didn't really like what I saw from Cal Jennings. I I liked that, you know, he made a couple good runs, but we really didn't talk about his name all that much in terms of generating anything on the offensive end. It was a smart substitution to bring in Tristan Blackman, made it a little different of a formation. But either way, look, Cal Jennings now, Philly, has one more start than you or I ever will in Major League Soccer and one more game played for the black and gold Let's get into the second half, Philly, and and here we go again. Ryan Hollingshead with a header from inside the center of the box. It was an easy save for Romero, and I believe his first save of the match, but not happy with the way LAFC, again, is guarding either those set pieces or during the run of play, those crosses into the box. And again, it's still only one Nothing. So nothing feels comfortable at all yet, particularly because, Philly, we've seen this LAFC team play all season. Yep, yep. They 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 happen to find they, they seem to find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> or at least draw from or the jaws. Or at least draw of from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and so, I mean, we, we had a near scare there in the fifty second minute, Brian Acosta, he misses one from outside the box. And looking back, this one was really one of the very last times that you felt threatened by Dallas. I mean, we kind of felt threatened regardless. I think we were in the 80th minute at one point, and Panda was just like, oh, we got this. And I was yeah. like, ah, nah, I don't know. Yeah, but they didn't really do a lot on the offensive end for like the next 15 minutes. No, Thomas Romero, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote, and I think I might have said this in previous podcasts before, I'm going to quote the, the Mighty Ducks. I'm ready. Julie the Cat Gaffney. The scene where she's like, I am bored, I am bored, I am really bored. <laughs> that was Thomas Romero for the good portion of the game because when it came down to it, despite the fact that FC Ribeye Stick had a fair amount of shots, there was only one of them on target, and Thomas Romero got the save. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Look, let's flash forward to the 58th minute. And again, something I loved to see this whole match. Let's talk first about Marco Farfan. Edward Atuesta missing one just a bit outside and high from outside the box after a pass from Marco Farfan. I really liked the little one-two game that Atuesta and Farfan were playing, but moreover, I loved how much our two wingbacks in Moon and Farfan Philly were a huge part of the offense. Farfan a little bit more than Moon was, but I thought, again, uh, just shutting me up after being unimpressed for a little while. I just love what we're seeing. We saw this with like Stephen Betashore towards the uh, towards the end of his tenure there, where Bob really liked to push those wingbacks up more. Well, he is doing it with reckless abandon right now with Kim Moon Hwan and Marco Farfan and looking very good doing it. And in the 59th minute, Philly Sifu looking absolutely stunned. It was a kick save off of a heel. Sifu got him going the wrong way. Again, Jimmy Maurer was probably the best player on the pitch in terms of doing what he needed to do. Although Vela looked great, Atuesta looked great. So many LAFC players look great. But I, I went away just talking about how good Jimmy Maurer was. I mean, we you have to tip your hat off to him. The guy's a veteran. I'm not currently wearing a the, hat. the oldest player on FC Dallas. Yeah. A veteran of the NASL. 
a University of South Carolina Gamecock legend. Giggity. Maurer did some things. He won some silverware in the NASL with the New York Cosmos. Not the original version of him, obviously, because if that was the case, he'd be in his 60s at this you point. You are wearing a Pele shirt right I now. I am, but that was like from the early, early 80s. Yes. This rendition of the New York Cosmos is, well, it's not the same. Also from the early, early 80s, Philly and the Scarf. <laughs> 83 is still early 80s. And and, and what's nice about 83 is, uh, well, it was the last year the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. There so, you go. So not not totally hated. You're but welcome. yes, Maurer had a lot of really, really good plays. We have a moon. A few minutes after the 66 frame in which Farfan had a, sh- a pass to Vela, great save by Maurer. Moon, a few minutes later, finding Vela, another block shot by Maurer. And then we, we find our way into a corner position in which Tristan had a head- header, but it goes to the left. Look. and. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, Philly, by all but, means. But you talked about the 60th minute. You just kind of glossed over it. Carlos Vela, again, going to see Jimmy Maurer in his sleep. Dude could have had two, a hat trick. Easy. Two big saves on Carlos in the 66th minute, including one he absolutely should have put away. I mean, you got Eddie Segura missing after a pass by Vela. This was that snowball, Philly, that we were waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. And, and look, I'm going to let you tell us all about it, but can I tell you how excited I was after VAR came back and awarded it in like the 70th minute? Philly, you know we've had, you know we haven't had, excuse me, for like, I don't know, the last 30 games or so? What's that, Scarf Quagmire? A giggity goal! Ah, Oh my god, it's a goal in the 69th minute, and it was the Starman playing on, I think it was actually the left, but he was incredible in this game. Philly, tell the millions. And millions! About the giggity goal by Latif Blessing. The one thing we could say about the star, man, yes. he never quits. He didn't quit on this play. As Carlos Vela razzle and dazzle, shakes and bakes, weaves in and out of the D inside the box after beating them over the top of the ball that Dallas just quit on. And then he had a great pass. He has a great pass to Latif Blessing. And we wanted Latif to be rewarded. Oh, yeah. We had a trivia on 110 football. Yep. Latif, over the course of 110 caps, 16 goals. 16 to This six. was his 17th if, if, if VAR if. would allow this to happen. Yep. Could this be the backbreaker that LAFC needed to imply on FC Dallas? We waited what seemed to be an eternity. But after the ref reviewed, after the VAR, the VAR came through, it went our way. Latif Blessing credited with his first golazo of the season, assisted by Carlos Vela, who earlier on got his first golazo of the season. LAFC 2, FC ribeye stake, new nothing, nil, zero, zero, goose egg, whatever you want to call it. How do you say it in German? Z- uh, uh, oh, null. No, there you go. Wow. Are you all right there, buddy? Like short-circuited. I, I definitely short-circuited Philly at 1.40 in the morning here on Thursday. Doesn't take much to short-circuit my but brain look, at 1.40 in the morning. But look, 111 caps for LAFC's Latif Blessing. He now sits on 17 goals, 16 assists, quickly cementing his name in what might possibly be the ring of honor. But you mentioned the key, Philly. You hit the nail Perfectly on the head, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I do well. Everybody on Dallas's back line, four players stopped playing. Four. 
Carlos Vela did not, but more importantly, what did Latif do? Parked himself right where he needed to be. A beautiful pass from Vela. Not a difficult pass from Vela. There might as well not have been four players in red kits in the box. And even the great Jimmy Maurer, who was nowhere near the ball at the time, could do nothing about it. 2 nothing. LAFC soon after Philly in the 76th minute to a rousing ovation. Carlos Vela would come off the pitch being subbed in for the Moose, who was now loose on Wednesday at Bank of California Stadium. Danny Musovsky checking into the match. Diego Rossi, as soon as Moose checked in, a nice bit of run of play there for LAFC. And Diego Rossi having a shot bank. And now this one was right at Maurer either way. But it was another big save for Maurer. And then Philly, we finally got to see kind of the forgotten man in the 84th minute. The forgotten man indeed. Last season, Pancho Janela was one of a few LAFC players to feature in every single match. You've brought that up a couple times today. And I just want you to know something. I had no idea that was the case. I had no idea. Philly educating the masses. This is uh, this is interesting because usually it's you knowing all the like obscure little things. No idea about that. Hey, all right. I'm going to pat myself on the back today. I do well. Philly done well. Have a drink in honor of Philly. Pancho Janela, who hasn't featured much this season, who featured an awful lot last season. I mean, he really has a, a low position on the death chart, unfortunately. But he clawed his way into the game. And we're going to talk about what he did at the very end in a moment. But I will say that five minutes after Pancho Janela comes into the game, we finally, finally have a Jordan Harvey appearance. And Jordan Harvey, by the way, sporting a great head of hair. That's right. A great head of hair. Harvey is going to going to help see at the match as he comes in for a hobbled Marco Farfan. Yeah, hoping okay. that Farfan is okay. Yeah. Though it seemed an awful an awful lock, like a like a soccer injury that wasn't really that serious. But we got to see Jordan Harvey, so regardless of whether it was serious or not, Jordan Harvey, UCLA legend on the pitch, ladies and gentlemen. All I thought was finally our rock has come back to Bank of California Stadium. Jordan Harvey, I don't know that there are many players out there, Philly, that are more fan favorite than Jordan Harvey. But look. Oh, I you, know one. You and, and we want to bring him back. You and I, I mean, hey, we'll talk about Dio in just a minute there, sir. Oh, you brought you, spoiler alert. Yeah, it's okay. You and I, though, Philly, we know that Jordan Harvey has far more games played in his career than he has games left to play in Major League Soccer. The man has seen some things. He has been (laughs) around. But let me tell you this. Having him out there on the pitch, even in limited minutes, I don't know why, but I just felt like the game was kind of enveloped in a warm hug. I absolutely (laughs) love Jordan Harvey. We obviously love Kim and their kids, and just there's so many great things about Jordan. I don't know how many more seasons or even how many more games Jordan Harvey has left on the pitch. So you and I, my friend, we were cherishing the moment. We got excited like 10 minutes earlier in the match when we thought Jordan was coming in. He jogged over, and he just jogged over because Bob needed to give some directions to the guys warming up over there. It seemed like he was upset at somebody down at the end of the line, by the way. I don't know what happened there, but I don't know if somebody wasn't doing their plyometrics right or something. They were hopping on the left foot instead of the right foot. Whatever it was that they Sounds do down like there to warm pokey. up, right? But then Jordan comes in, 
He rips off those beautiful pink nectar practice tops. Whoa, no. Family friendly. Giggity. My guy got all hot and bothered just saying that. I'm moving like seven feet away. And he puts on that number two. And you know how much it killed me to think this, Philly, but I'm going to say it out loud. And this is not a Tom Brady reference at all. It's going to be my least favorite but most respected, actually second least favorite but most respected ball player after Chipper Jones. I just thought of the Ugh. veteran leadership of a number two. Another horrible human being. And I being. thought about Derek Sanderson Jeter. I just thought Jordan Harvey is kind of like our Derek Jeter in that they both wear number two. They both sport wonderful heads of hair right now. And they both provide that added leadership that doesn't always show up in the box score. Jeter has no business being in the middle of third base on a play to home against the Oakland Athletics. Jeter has no business getting to a couple of the balls that he does. Jordan Harvey, again, just finds himself in a leadership role time and time again. Uh, This is all just a love letter to Jordan Harvey. Jordan, we here at Defenders of the Bank, and myself especially, the scarf, you're just, we we love you, man. I I love Jordan Harvey, too. And I don't want to say the scarf is delusional comparing Jordan Harvey. <laughs> I mean, it's not with Derek it's, Jeter. It's not, it's not great. Okay, yeah, they both wear the number two. There you go. Uh, last season, they, they both, both had a very similar hairstyle. Uh, yeah, okay, yep. yep. But I, I, I have to, you know, harness my inner Gary Coleman when I say, "What's you talk about, Willis?" Like that's on the same. That is not. Field? Isn't that not Gary? Is that Gary Coleman? Different strokes, yeah, different buddy. strokes. That's right. Different strokes. Right. I mean, there's definitely a, a handful of people that might know that reference. Gary Coleman. Probably several others Rest who in don't. Peace, Gary Coleman. Oh man, dude, he ended his career as a security guard. Yeah. Man, how like the mighty have fallen. But he's been immortalized in Rent forever. Or no, excuse me, Avenue Q, Avenue Q forever. Right. <laughs> we could quote the we, heck out of. We that will not. <laughs> we will not. Family but, friendly. Anyway, so look, let's let, let's fast forward. Yes, Jordan Harvey came into the game. Now we are in stoppage time. Four, five minutes worth of stoppage, even though four was left right, on the clock. Right, right. Pancho Janela making a rare appearance. He sliced and he diced and he harnessed his inner shredder, trying to make turtle <laughs> soup out of the FC ribeye steak. Is that steak because back you saw that turtles video game while we were recording for one ten? Has that been on your mind the I've whole time? I've always said if we get to like pick anything out of free play, <laughs> I got dibs on that Ninja Turtle arcade machine. I don't care if the Michelangelo joystick is broken. I normally use Donatello, so I still want it. You were making fun of Raphael earlier. That's always the guy that I am when it comes to the teenage mutant. Ninja Turtles video game. Raphael, all the way, he was kind of the guy with an attitude problem that nobody liked. I'm surprised you don't. Hold on. I'm surprised you don't associate a little bit more with Raphael after you, you you deal with the attitude issues that come through and it turns out there's a beautiful pearl in that oyster of Raphael. That's like Philly in a oyster. Dude, I always I always like viewed myself as the party dude. <laughs> hey, look, you did major in fraternity, right? So there you go. I mastered in fraternity. <laughs> but anyway, Pancho Janela harnessing his inner shredder, slicing and dicing and making turtle soup out of the FC <laughs> Dallas back line. However, it was the Mauer Power Hour yet again. He had another fantastic save. Kick save, whatever it was. Look, Mauer took care of business. If he wasn't on his A game, This could have been a far worse score. FC Dallas platoons their keepers. Mauer, this was his sixth start of the season. They also have another Brazilian keeper 
Felipe, this guy actually sat on the bench for the Brazilian national team. 22 years old. There's a 10-year age gap between these two keepers. And I, what I will say about the backup keeper for FC Dallas, he was the keeper on hand for FC Dallas's lone win. A 4-1 shebang-bang shellacking of the, port, of the pesky pine trees of Portland. So they have pretty good keepers, but Maurer solidifying himself as the number one. He blocked so many shots by Carlos Vela. He had so many saves. This game could have really gotten out of hand, but the whistle blows. Two to nothing. LAFC finally securing three points, finally getting a win. The third win of the season, a much-deserved and a much-desired and a much-wanted win. All right, Philly, we're going to go through the stats, the final stats of the game here, and then after that, I'm going to give you my big takeaway from the match, and then you're going to give us your big takeaway from the match, and then we'll wrap it up. We got just a little bit that I want to say about Kaiser Permanente towards the end of the match as well, and then yeah, well, it's a whole group of people actually, but uh, it's one of those things where we're really happy to work with one of the partners of the club, Kaiser Permanente, on something really special over the weekend. But Philly, let's get into the stats. Was what was it as one sided as it seemed when we were watching the match? So, oddly enough, no. In most cases, LAFC dominates possession. In this case, it was virtually even at pretty much 50-50 apiece, if you really want to get technical. 49.7 for LAFC, 50.3 for Dallas. A huge disparity was that on shots. LAFC had 19 to Dallas's 13. But the big difference, the big difference, I know some of you out there don't like stats. Sorry, this is sports. Of course we're going to rely on stats. Stats. What kind of a Neanderthal moron are you? We're always going to rely on stats. I teach math. I like stats. Eight shots on goal to Dallas's one. That's big. And even though we converted 25% of them, that was still a huge thing to do. Eight shots on goal to Dallas's one. Thomas Romero getting tested a mere once. Amir once. Maurer, he led in two goals, but he saved six. LAFC kept him busy. Other than that, for the most part, the teams were fairly even in terms of total passes, passing accuracy, corners, crosses, offsides. Duels won, though. Here's the thing. Duels won. FC Dallas killed LAFC. We're talking about 72-43. to The Young Bucks took care of business in that regard. Other than that, we could go through the rest, but everything else was fairly even. Look, let me give you my quick observation on the stats there. Duels won, tackles won, blocked shots, I think was what, five to three. Dallas had more shots blocked than we had, right? I look at it as this. LAFC knew there was just nothing special about this Dallas team and decided to keep as much in front of them as they could. That's why you have more blocked shots. That's why you have more duels won, because they're happy to let you win a ball as long as they're the ones controlling the flow of play. I absolutely loved what we saw from LAFC, a collective effort on the back line. That was most important. Uh, We said it on the pregame show. If you guys were watching along on the app, we said it that you needed to keep the area in front of Tomas Romero clean so that he could feel as comfortable as possible. Philly, the one save was an easy one. He did have a couple of times where he needed to dive to his right, I think, on a ball in the second half. But for the most part, man, distribution. uh, you mentioned it. Can you give me the quote again from the Mighty Ducks? 
I am bored. I am bored. I am really bored. Yeah, so there you Cat go. Gaffney. Yeah, there. So I felt like you know, maybe that could have been Thomas Romero. By the way, Thomas Romero first professional start Bravo, for for the black and gold, and it's a clean sheet. So immediately going up on the board, a clean sheet for Thomas Romero, the kid from Georgetown, who we really liked in preseason. Really proud of him. Philly, let me give you my big takeaway from the match, and then you can give me yours. My big takeaway for this match was how good Moon and Farfan looked throughout the entire time that they were in the match. Again, we're hoping Farfan is okay. He took a little knock right at the end, and that's why they needed to substitute speed for speed, so they put in Jordan Harvey for Marco Farfan. But I just loved the way that Farfan and Moon, I mean, look, Bradley loves to push up his wingbacks. He loves to push them up. And when you have players, the caliber caliber of Moon and now Farfan, who is really coming into his own and, again, shutting up the scarf. You mentioned it. Moon gets to play with Sun on the Korean national team. And we're not saying that to make a joke, although we did make a little bit of a joke of it. We're talking about one of the 10 best players in the world in Sun. And if you can line up next to him on a national team, you are doing some special things. It's what we used to say about guys like Brian Rodriguez. Huh. Lining up. Brian. Oh, man. Uh, lining oh, up for his Brian? national team. It's, it's one of those things where I, I'm starting to see it. it it's kind of like when Neo first starts to see the Matrix fall into place. If Bob can get Marco Farfan and Kim Moon Hwan, we already know, Philly, in my opinion... Are there two? Are there a better pair of center backs in the league than our Colombian pair of Segura and Mario? And you pair him, pair them in front of a guy like Edward Atuesta. I mean, you, you're talking about as solid of a middle defense as possible with Pablo, who's actually played very well this season. I think this was just a case. I think you agree, Philly, of of giving Pablo Cisniega a little bit of a break, especially with a very tough test of Sporting KC coming down the pipe. I, my big takeaway was Moon and Farfan looking like they could be perennial all-stars if LAFC is able to keep them. No, that's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. I, I think a lot of people are going to look at this game and think, you know, LAFC was playing the last place team in the Western Conference. But I do want to say that this isn't the last place team that is that of an FC Cincinnati or, or, or that of a Toronto. And the reason why I mention that is because in five games, FC Dallas actually maintained points. They beat Portland 4-1 to and they tied four games. Prior to the LAFC game, they had three losses on the season. Teams that have three losses, second place Kansas City, third place Galaxy, fourth place Colorado, sixth place Houston Dynamo, eighth place LAFC. FC Dallas, while a last place team, not a horrible team. They haven't gotten annihilated by anybody. So this was a very solid win. Some of the more cynical supporters are probably going to think we should have won 10 and nothing. Well, whatever. You can't please everybody. And I'm poking at, at cynical supporters because, well, <laughs> it, I, I like to do that. In this case, though, they wouldn't be wrong, right? We should have had yeah, we maybe two or but, three more But goals. they also probably think that FC Dallas is a last place team that we should have slaughtered. FC Dallas, not that horrible of a team. No, If no. it was FC Cincinnati, right. then I would have said no doubt. A team that came into sure. the game today against Chicago with six losses on the year. Yeah. So LAFC 
Tennessee managed to take care of business. They secured some points. They climbed their way up a little higher. Okay. Now, they're going to be away for a quite a significant period of time. They're playing Sporting Kansas City at Kansas City on Saturday. A very tough place to play. Sporting Kansas City currently sitting in second place in the Western Conference. After that, they go over to Rio Tinto Stadium to take on Really Salty Lake, a team that is above the playoff line. After that, they go to our buddy Al Rates' new home yep. in Austin, Texas, to take on FC the FC Broccoli Matthew McConaughey's. If they manage to secure points in these matches, then I will say LAFC is for real. I am not going to say I have high hopes at Kansas City. I will say I have higher hopes for really Salty Lake and even higher hopes for Austin. But if LAFC can manage to walk out of Kansas City with a point, then I will say that this LAFC team is for real. Carlos Vela looks engaged. And when Carlos Vela puts his mind to it, to quote my inner George McFly, <laughs> he can accomplish anything. That's what we need is Carlos Vela to believe. We need Diego Rossi to believe. I I have so much uh, enthusiasm towards Kim Moon Hwan. I, I, I want to see the younger boys get some more burn. I'd love to see Cal Jennings go from USL pace to MLS pace because he's already leading his USL team in scoring. If he could pick up that pace a little bit, he can get his name on the scoring line. Latif Blessing finally makes it on the scoring sheet. Carlos Vela finally makes it on the scoring sheet. Look, we got plenty of time to turn the ship around. We'll see what this road uh, this road journey has ahead of us. We won't be back home again until July 17th. Sporting Kansas City 4-0-2 at home. That's no losses, two ties, or excuse me, two draws, as they say, and four wins. So you're absolutely right. If we can earn a point from there, well-earned point. I'm hoping we can earn three. Let's see if we can steal one late from them. Alan Pulido is very... Imagine if we pull nine. Uh, look, at well, we can only win three in each match. But sporting... Uh, Alan that Pulido... Would be three games. Pu- I know. I'm just I'm the one match so far. Pu- Pulido is really, really good. The heartburn, by the way, is really, really bad. No joke, man. Like this Del Taco Beyond Burrito, there's heartburn for days oh, right now. Anybody know a plumber? This I might is, need one in Philemon's studio. This is not studios. much fun. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. But... Look, let me talk about one thing that's pretty important to us here at Defenders of the Bank. That's being as healthy as possible for as long as you possibly can. And we are going to be helping out our good friends over at Kaiser Permanente at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Medical Offices on Saturday. We're going to be helping them host a vaccination drive. When we went out to the East Los Angeles Medical Offices two weeks ago, we did get a chance to meet a couple dozen LAFC supporters. This, by the way, if you're coming from the West Side and you take Martin Luther King Boulevard all the way up, you pass the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Medical Offices. It's right before the mall and right before the Krispy Kreme there. So please make sure if you know anybody, anybody, that has not been vaccinated, that wants to get vaccinated. We know there are all kinds of people with all kinds of reasons for not getting vaccinated. And look, it's a personal choice. We're okay with it. But there are no more barriers for vaccination out there. You don't need medical insurance. You don't. They don't even ask for your citizenship status, your ID with a photo and a birth date is all that they need. It costs nothing. And in most cases at Kaiser right now, you can actually choose your vaccine from the Moderna, the Pfizer, or the Johnson & Johnson. We are going to be out there 
at Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Medical Offices from, I believe it's 8.30 to noon on Saturday, having a vaccination event there. And then we are going to watch the sporting match from somewhere. We're not going to be watching it from Sporting Kansas City, unfortunately. But Philly and I will figure it out. We got a really cool offer from Black Army and Pride Republic that we may take them up on. So that would be really cool. But again, if you know anybody that wants to get vaccinated, all they need is a picture ID with their birth date on it. Please come out to the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Kaiser Permanente Medical Offices on Saturday, anytime between 8.30 and 12 to get vaccinated. I was born at a Kaiser hospital. My mom worked at Kaiser as the department administrator for pediatrics for 35 years. I I love helping out Kaiser as much as I can. Philly, I know you're happy to help out and be there too. You weren't able to be at the last one because, oh yeah, Vegas, a little jealous about that. But (laughs) either way, (laughs) (laughs) either way, don't forget to come out. And by the way, everybody that gets vaccinated that is an LAFC supporter, you can win a Carlos Vela signed jersey. And we've got our Kick Childhood Cancer and Pride Month pins there to give away as well. So please come out. It'll be a really fun time to just hang out. Look, if you're not going to come get vaccinated, that's where Philly and the Scarf will be for like three and a half hours. Just come hang out and talk LAFC or any other sport that you would like. I'll even, look, I will regale you with my tales of fandom of Tom Brady if you would like. Whatever you need, that's that's what we're there for. Y'all are more than welcome to take my seat. (laughs) So, guys, don't forget. Come on out next Saturday. Philly, what a sell. I'm I'm looking over Philly right now, and he's looking at Islander jerseys right now on (laughs) Fanatics. Beauvillier, baby! (laughs) He's going to get himself a Beauvillier jersey. Look, Philly... Something to celebrate, finally. I yeah. think we're calling this 2-0, and it could have been Maurer, right, is our, is our name for the episode. <laughs> we had a blast today. Oh, yeah. and, and the other thing, Philly, that I just want to mention real quick, we got to just walk around the stadium for a little bit, say hi to a lot of people. It was just so good to see all of those friendly faces. We, we ran into people from every supporters group that we know and love. Austin, we, we ran into Austin, who was clearly enjoying himself at the match. That was really fun to see. 16 Austin. drinks. Is that what? And he's working at 6 a.m. I God was bless not going to throw out that number. Austin, I apologize on behalf of Philly. I, I meant, I meant, never mind. Well, no, he was trying to stay hydrated, right? He was mixing water with Yeah, I mean, we didn't say what either. drinks. Right. There you go. But you guys, episode 151 in the books. And under an hour. I love it. Get excited. You know how we like to end all of our episodes here. At Defenders of the Bank. Bye-bye.